coffee drinkers, we are making sounds today. Finally, I had hoped to have this episode of the podcast happening at least two weeks before the tour started. And guess what? Life happens and it's less than two days. It's less than 48 hours before I leave. But finally, the board is is all routed the way I want it, kind of, I think. Just testing it out now. There have been things I've posted uh, today and yesterday, last couple of days on Instagram and on YouTube. You can see a full board build on YouTube, on my channel. I'll also link that in the show notes of today's episode. And here's, I'm going to play something that's still in the looper from last night. And I actually don't remember what it was because I was messing with it last night. Let's find out. Um, Hold onto your hats. It's probably not soft. Oh, oh, oh. Oh. it's not crazy aggressive quite moody just a big old pad probably add something to that oh there's the FM are on also have also have the snare trap in here as well it's going to be interesting to see how much of this I can operate with my feet Okay, so I'm just mixing the snare trap in a little bit. That is maybe not a groove I would have chosen. It's a little stiff, but let's see what we can do with it. Hmm. Give that kick a little bit of a note. Also, I should double check. Yeah, that's pretty loud. I know, yeah, that could be an issue. I'm kind of erring on the side of caution on the channel for the music here. Maybe I'll have to boost it a little bit in post. I just don't want it to be completely flatlining and distorted. Spent 30 minutes in here sharing all this stuff with you coffee drinkers, and then it's totally useless afterwards. Let's get that loop back in. So the concept with the snare trap, the Ranger Effect snare trap, is that it's actually first in the chain. So I can use every single pedal in the setup to process it, um, should I choose. It's not something I'm going to use on every song, every improvisation, but it's not a bad starting place sometimes. Especially when you have these options um, of running it through. I'm running it through just a simple pitch block in the HX stomp right now. That's just an octave up. And when I turn it off, that's what it sounds like on its own. Let's get that pad out of there for a second. So that's just the snare trap completely clean. Now I add I add that simple pitch and octave up. It gives the kick kind of some roundness and a note. Makes it sound like almost like a floor tom turned on its side as a kick drum. That's one of my harmonizer patches as well. Gives it more of a note. And then when I push that through... <laughs> Push that through the France a bit. Oh. Let's see. Maybe I'll introduce a little bit of modulation to that with the dark world. That's the 
dark side of the dark world happening there. I have my I have my H9 under the board for the black hole. Ooh, that's a lot of verb. Controlling that with my phone. Okay, we'll come back to that. Let's get rid of the modulation. Maybe we'll push it through the auto bit. That's kind of fun. kind of crazy to think that I really haven't played any bass yet. I set up this pad yesterday, of course, that's still in the looper, but now I have these two pretty cool elements going without any bass. So it's just layer upon layer upon layer of possibilities here. And filtering, filtering with the auto bit has such a good filter in it. Use the ephemeron. You get yet more, yet more flavors. Okay. All right, so there we go. Crash course in what the, what the board is starting to sound like. Some of the things I'm going to be using it for. That's obviously not the number one use case. It actually sounds good just just clean and I have to set oops wrong button need to turn off the octave up there we go the the the, the real um kind of work will happen when I have to balance it all out and make sure that the natural sound of the bass uh, uh, is actually kind of in line and in the right place so I can just play clean and be, you know, have that supporting role, be that supporting role. see how we're doing with the looper um there's a little bit of hiss i'm hearing in the headphones i think that's all zoom uh, h6 related recording wise because there's nothing coming out of the amp in terms of hiss. so i think that's just yeah that is just the input i think on the on the recorder i'm using so sorry about that that's a drag i gotta turn it down even more and then it's non-existent in the in the mix. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, so definitely got to work on the balance of that. <coughs> Clean versus effects. But uh, I've got one of my favorites in here. Whoa, yeah, I can really, really destroy the recorder here with the with the sub harmonic. I'm shaking the entire house. Thankfully, Chelsea is out. Lily is at daycare. So, oh, it's so satisfying. Is it? Oh, no, that's the new loop. Um, so satisfying, <laughs> that big sub harmonic. You really have to do so little with it. And I, re- I don't have an octave pedal on the board. That may surprise some people. No OC2, no vintage uh, bass octave from MXR, the small one. There just wasn't really the space considering all the other things I wanted to do. So between the F Emeron, um, which is more more in the synth department, of course. Um, um, let's get some volume here. Take the reverb off. Uh, I see the UV meters are going up into the yellow. I hope that is not crushed and distorted in the mix. But you get the idea. That's kind of more where I'm going to live um, in terms of the octave stuff. I can blend in some some more FM sound. Make it bark a little bit more. I don't think... I'm not a massive fan of it being super barky there. But in the context of maybe... Of stuff like this, like creating loops and sequencing. Might actually be able to process it. And get some kind of interesting sounds out of it. So I'm using the mood just to grab one note from the ephemeron and now I'm putting that through the Fabricat let's change settings on the Fabricat maybe to a more granular thing mess with the EQ on the Fabricat definitely going to be a lot of bending down and playing with the pedals Manipulating them a little bit. Of course, can add modulation from the dark world. It's a nice combo. Filter that with the auto bit. Some little sample rate reduction stuff. So, who knows where that goes? Um, Probably one thing I'm missing on the board, which I may consider hooking up because it's probably pretty easy just to plug one more thing in would be an expression pedal for the filter in the auto bit. That would be really nice to have have the ability to sweep the entire board. Oh, I'm hearing some... Hmm, something going on there. Some, oh, it's the ephemeron being a little. <laughs> there are there are a few gremlins here and there, um, but I freaking love the ephemeron pedal. And then, of course, the other more. <sighs> you know, really, that's really punchy. So when. When I have that in one pedal, I'm kind of not missing the octave pedal that much. Mm. 
this is great actually just to get a, a feel for how you have to play how you have to play the ephemeron and what the articulation is with the right hand actually with both hands because there's really there are really specific muting things i think you have to do with that to get the most out of the pedal um and just to have as much kind of range of expression as you possibly can so that is great that that's a, a it's all working <coughs> Woo! it is definitely liquid time and i really want to know if this cough thing and just the general feeling of shittiness are like just a really long recovery time from covid because this is starting to become a real drag we're into like you know despite testing negative multiple times now and yes being back to mostly full strength there are still things that are not feeling great and this is like, you know, fully vaccinated, boosted, very, very careful wearing a mask. The whole thing, like I really try and do as much as I can and still sort of feeling like shit. So I'm hoping, uh, hoping this is not the case of uh, the cough and stuff happening on the road. It'd be nice to shed that before before the weekend. But yeah, so this is this is it. This is the uh, this is the setup kind of loving it there's um of course harmonizer stuff going on let's see whoops always have to remember to keep my eye on the there's one toggle switch on the front a bit which is very extreme it goes from degrade to obliterate and if you're in obliterate mode you get some really way out there ring mod distorted fuzzy kind of sounds but in degrade you get this kind of nice space Blowing up the, the levels here. Some of that distortion you're hearing is actually intentional. It's coming from coming from the pedal. Maybe there's a nice a way to put a nice limiter on the zoom so it kind of softens out the high end of the audio. Gotta look into that because I really want to do more playing stuff on the podcast and sharing sounds and setup and sharing all these um all these kind of pedal combinations i think a lot of fun stuff thing is going to be getting to I, th I think I'm going to use the iPad I'm going to have the iPad so it stays on the whole time there's even a USB output on the Chox DC7 so if I can get the USB cable in there I can leave it plugged in put it on a music stand and that will just be on the whole time 
So whenever I want, I can get to much bigger reverbs. Ooh, it's so tasty, the, the, the Eventide H9 black hole algorithm. Let's try. So let's try transitioning here and see how much, see what I get out of the mood. Okay, so 
So we're losing the big groove that I put in the ditto initially. Fading that out manually by hand, left hand, and then right hand is fading in the mood. And I turn the volume on the mood all the way down when I grabbed the snippet. And that, so I had the ability to fade it in. So we'd have two different sections. So now I've got the fabric cap right after the mood. I've got a little bit of the dark world. That kind of uh, <clears throat> generation loss side, I think, the, like the Cooper effects generation loss thing. Um, I could stick in. Gonna get creative with the filtering and the sample rate reduction after the fact. I can clear out the ditto looper, which is on the end of the chain see where my groove is here. Maybe I want to change the groove. Definitely a pain in the ass with the H9 being in the phone, with it keep closing and stuff. Oh, kind of a glitchy little loop. Could be the start of something easily. Make sure Nico has a lot of that in his monitor. What I haven't figured out is getting the snare trap in time with what is going on in the looper. If there's something in the looper there already, I'm gonna stop that for a second. Um, <coughs> obviously, they're not synced at all. Not sure if that's an option or not. Got to look into that as well. But just tapping, tapping the snare trap. I guess it is kind of at tempo when you tap it. And, uh, and, okay. So it is all user error. It's so often user error, right? It really is. Um, you're like blaming all the gear. And at the end of the day, it's just you being shitty at <laughs> executing. So yeah, so um, if you uh, don't have time or do not wish to go and click on the link to see the, bo uh, the board build, I'll give you a quick rundown of the signal chain here. Um, volume pedal uh, into the snare trap. Those are both off the board to the right-hand side. So volume pedal into the snare trap. Then we get to everything that's tied down and bolted to the board. We've got Mantic Concepts Hulk 
F. Emeron by Iron Ether, uh, France a bit by Iron Ether. Then we go Line 6, HX Stomp, which goes into the Chase Bliss Mood, which then goes into the Pladask Electrisk Fabricat, which is then into the Otto Bit Junior, then the uh, Chase Bliss Dark World. Then we go to... Um, where the hell do we go there, actually? I, I think I've actually forgotten where... I put, <laughs> I think I've forgotten where I put the, um, where I put the, no, it'd be okay. So I was th- going to say, I thought I forgot where I put the H9, but the H9 has to be last. Exactly. Yeah. So Dark World goes into the H9. Whew. Really thought I was losing it there for a second. H9 into the Ditto. And it's the mini one. It's the smallest one. I put a barefoot button on it, so I've got a bigger target to hit on the end of the board there. But that's right there. Um, That is the penultimate pedal, because after that, it all goes into the Caveman Audio BP1 Compact, which is under the board. And after that, it's off to the amp. And um, yeah, it's crazy. I'm going to take the bass off here, (coughs) because I want to talk about a little bit about how and why we departed from the concept of the of the album just in terms of the signal chain um so drastically you know on the album let's face it that was a little extreme in order to recreate that live i would have needed four independent rigs and the the reason why the concept behind that is that i wanted to be able to have one stereo um set of uh one stereo set of signal, one stereo signal off to one side going into, you know, let's say, channel one and two. There was actually a nice four-channel preamp that I was using in the in the studio, a rack unit thing. So we had uh, one and two were essentially where I created any loops, any kind of ambient stuff or any anything with maybe a groove in it that Nico had to play along to. Um, and I had an, a, a stereo, still do, by Saturn Works, a stereo AB kind of splitter box. So I could choose the stereo one or stereo two so in stereo one i had all that kind of ambient looping stuff and groove stuff that i was putting into the loop pedals so nico could have control of that of the volume on that um so when things started to get a little more dense and a little more hectic as we were recording he could turn that up rather than that getting lost and having to kind of guess so that's the unfortunate situation you find yourself in when you just have one whether it be mono or stereo, um, when you just have one kind of end to it all, rather than being able to split the end of the signal chain out into two different places. But like I said, if we if I tried to do that live, that would have meant four separate amps. And maybe one day I'll do it just for the shit of it, and um, we'll be able to find somewhere cool, and it, it won't be too much of a ball ache to do. And it sounded amazing in the studio, and it felt amazing to track to. Uh, but you'd need two stereo rigs, four amps, four sets of cabs. It's just an enormous amount of gear for, uh, you know, maybe it adds 15, 20%. It's a really nice 15 or 20%, I got to say. Um, but the great thing was once I'd set that up and fed that down stereo one, I could switch over and then have the entire board all over again, completely clean to play bass, to play melodies, to play harmonizer stuff, to add a counterpoint um, loop in another looper to to the situation. Just so many possibilities there. And of course, Nico um, would have full control over both of those uh, both of those stereo pairs in his headphones for recording, which made it way easier for him to keep track of the time and for things, you know, I'm sure if you've ever done any looping after you get 
three, four, five things in in the pedal, it starts to get a little bit chaotic. And especially when you're playing with a lot of range, as you heard just now, there's a, a, in terms of dynamic range, there's things that are very, very high. And then all the way in the bottom, I've got the subharmonic cranking around 40 hertz. I don't know. It's basically going from all the way in the bottom of what the human can hear to pretty much up top. You know, I'm sure there's stuff around four, five, six K up there. So that is a really wide spectrum of audio to be putting through a bass amp of all things. You know, it'd probably be better through a PA. And just today, <clears throat> talking with a friend of mine, it's like, okay, should, do I, should I really even play with an amp? Or should I actually take that stereo splitter box on the road with me and do what I did in the studio and just say, you know, specify that, okay, hey, I know I'm the bass player. You're normally only used to dealing with one channel, but I actually need four for this gig because I am going to use this thing. And then just rely on being able to get a good monitor mix um, so I can hear myself and kind of leaning on the room, the PA, so uh, for, for, for a little bit of monitoring as well. I don't know. It is, of course, tough when you don't travel with your own sound engineer. And it's tough, you know, for everyone, no matter how big your band is or how small the pub is that you play all rooms are different even if you only play pubs you know all those pub rooms that i used to do it all the time and you know the boaters in kingston was different different from the what was it the red line in twickenham which was also different from the gun tavern in, in, in croydon you know like literally just pub rooms and they were all different they were all slightly different and you had to adjust accordingly so that is sometimes magnified or amplified no pun intended um when you get to much bigger rooms, but, um, you know, for instance, the first two nights of the tour, Monday night is in a club, um, lower ceiling picture, you know, really kind of classic basement jazz club at the Pizza Express in Soho, uh, which is almost sold out, by the way, really only, if, I think, like maybe 10 or 12 tickets left, something for that, which is amazing. Thank you, London. Really appreciate that. We're going to have to try and get you guys. Somebody had a great suggestion for organic promotion for the Manchester show, just to get everyone in the club in Pizza Express on Monday night to shove a clip on their social media and tag Manchester in it saying, guys, you don't know what you're missing. Well, hopefully, if, if you guys enjoy it, of course, do that and just say, hey, this is a show you don't want to miss. I know the brain might be a little foggy from summer holidays and, you know, that that week of dread maybe before you go back to school and things are hectic or you know but i think the shows are going to be fun and um, manchester we definitely got to sell some tickets but yeah that was that was thank you whoever put that sent that email or maybe a comment on uh, instagram i think that was today i can't remember but it was a good suggestion just the organic promotion thing from the audience the night before to promote the show the next night and of course that happens a little bit it always happens a little bit but like if we were to really focus that as a concerted effort just towards manchester and then i've got to do it in monaco and fo focus that towards helsinki the next day be kind of interesting and i'm going to post some stuff i'm going to make sure i put enough fomo out there uh with 24 hours to go before the show that people are like oh actually you know what yeah let's 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 go do this um let's go be a part of of the fun and um yeah i've totally lost where i was oh we were talking about the stereo thing different rooms exactly so yes the the, the big difference in the rooms between monday and tuesday night the first two nights of my tour 22nd 23rd of august next week is that you know uh basement club classic kind of basement jazz club which is the pizza express in soho 120 capacity it's going to be packed so that 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 brings down the the the, the bodies in the room do change the sound of course um 
that's a lot of human to put in a room that size, so that definitely impacts the sound. It's a little more intimate, a little bit more natural compression because of the low ceilings. I think of like one of the greatest rooms for me for drums and for bass that I ever played was the 55 Bar in New York. What a crazy little dive bar. You know, we affectionately, I know Scott didn't like us calling it this, but we are super affectionately with the utmost respect. We used to call it the dump. That was, you know, Stern would call me, hey, hey Yanni, you want to play at the dump next week? You know, Monday, Wednesday, you know, and uh, of course, we never called it the 55 by. It was the dump. It always was the gear in the basement and, the, you know, the mic's amp in the office and the ice machine, you know, was just making a shitload of noise and the bathrooms, which were less than savory. It was, it was the dump, but it was the most beautiful dump ever. And it had the most amazing natural compression for drums if you set them up in the right spot. It's always fun seeing... Uh, somebody in there, you know, who maybe never played in there before and didn't realize the best way to set the stuff up. And you'd be like, what the fuck are the drums doing? over? Oh, it's your first time. Okay. And um, some confused looks on people's face. Oh, man, why does it sound like shit? Oh, okay. And then helping them out. Say, hey, if you put the drums right there, you're going to have the best night of your life, you know, and the audience will as well. So, yes, long story long, it changes every night. So doing the... The PA thing going direct it's definitely uh, definitely a challenge. Really helps to travel with you on front of house. And I'm not sure. Maybe I'll get maybe I'll put an extra monitor on my rider so I can turn it around behind me so I can feel some of that air moving. I don't know. It's got to be a solution. I want to do the stereo thing. I think that the music deserves it. I think the audience deserves to hear that because it really does make such a big difference. And um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to work on that. Uh, but I'm really uh, actually incredibly happy that A, all of this stuff fit on a pedal board so I don't have to set up and break down every night like 15, 16 pedals and pack them all away. It's going to be a very quick setup and breakdown. And that it sounds, as I hope you agree, I think it sounds pretty good. Like the depth of what I'm able to get. And here we are. I'm just taking one XLR out of the uh, Tonehammer 700 straight into a fairly sort of low to mid-range recorder the zoom h6 it's not the greatest thing in the world and um what i heard in my headphones as i was monitoring while i was playing sounded really good i hope it sounds like that when i dump it into logic in a minute and bounce it down to post this episode um but yeah there are there are things i think i could do which don't make it so complicated the backline thing has been a bit of a nightmare on this one really tough to to line it all up and insane rental prices from john henry's and just availability has been a thing i will say that big fish shout out to big fish uh they big fish rentals or big fish production big fish they're just a great backline company in manchester have been super awesome in a time i know that they're super busy and 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 inventory is really really tight um they hooked some stuff up last minute which was fantastic roads and the aguilar amp and a drum set and um yeah they are not sponsoring this <laughs> they are not giving me the shit for free um but they're also not charging me an arm and a leg either it's 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 always a bit brutal when you have to rent stuff as a band leader because it just eats into the profit margin really quite aggressively and of course you know the irony um, of it being on the Manchester gig where unless we sell some tickets it'll end up being the gig that makes the least amount of money of course that's where you end up getting the most expense and you know that's the London gig is great because Tom lives in London so that's one less hotel and um, Nico's arriving the day of the gig so it's not it, and the London gig is almost sold out so it's like the lower 
expense kind of gig and it's uh one of one of the better paying ones because you guys were fantastic and bought so many tickets so um yeah it's always a weird one when you, when you get to the potentially i don't know yet i'm not writing it off manchester could go gangbusters yet and sell sell the whole sell the whole hall and if it does great it'll be less brutal on all the peripherals and you know when we get into travel then and train to get up there the hotels for three people the renting like all of the gear um and then the flight out to to monaco the next day yeah it's um always a bit of a gamble and things come up last minute i wanted to talk about that i, I forgot I made, I made a note and i didn't look at my notes when i was doing the podcast about touring and about how we move gear around and all that kind of stuff. There are just, I wanted to talk a little bit about the fact that you always have to plan for, for what you, for, for the unexpected. You have to put a buffer in. You have to plan to be way over budget on most things. And then be pleasantly surprised when half the tour you were maybe under budget and a couple of things worked out and somebody lent you an amp or a drum set showed up when, and you didn't have to pay for one. You know, like those happy accidents are fantastic after the tour but you you shouldn't really count on them beforehand and not like i did Mm. sorry liquid break uh not like i did i was very very conscious of the fact that i knew there were going to be things coming up at the last minute and things that were out of my control and uh but it doesn't it doesn't make them suck any less whether you're ready for them whether you've experienced them before or whether you completely spaced on them they it still sucks when you have to spend far more money um, than perhaps you would like or than perhaps you know is necessary some of these things are unavoidable but if you if the if the cause of the issue is out of your control um, then it becomes pretty it can yeah it's just just hard to kind of stomach sometimes so it's a, it's a lifelong mission to learn how to deal with that. I think um, I'm still working on it as long as I've been doing it, you know, 25 years or something. Don't think it ever stops. Um, it, I think it gets uh, easier to absorb. Um, perhaps you, it, perhaps you, you know, you, the older you get and the better you do and you make more money and the, the budgets are there for you to absorb more variables, shall we say, um, the older you get. It's way, I mean, you know, I'm, remember being a much younger band leader 20 years ago and doing gigs and the variables felt like the end of the world you know so if you are at the earlier stages of your career and you're doing this and you're trying to book gigs and and be a band leader try and do it like just the, the the leanest way possible stay lean out there don't try and get too fancy and lower your risk profile you know you don't want to be investing tons of money up front into gigs that are a complete and utter you know toy uh, coin toss in terms of whether they will end up you know even breaking even never mind making money on so and i have absolutely been there before i mean i was just remembering a, a cannibal adley tune came on the tune fun awesome tune on uh, mercy 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 live record and um once again let's swing with cannibal adley in the quintet but a great tune fun is the first record uh, first track on that record and i used to play that with bob you know um when we used to play cafe cordial in in la up in uh in uh, sherman oaks and um or wherever it was i can't remember where the place that was uh a decade ago but we also did a little tour in europe um 
which had some really cool moments and it had some absolutely fucking disastrous ones as well in terms of people uh, not showing up and playing to a room with, you know, eight people in it, you know, and people who were who professed to be the most diehard fans and just never showed up to gigs, you know. So doing that research as to where your fans are and who they say they are and really engaging in them with them ahead of time, but for a prolonged amount of time as well, not just blasting them all of a sudden, you know. I know I've been talking more about tour dates lately because obviously the tour is coming up but it's not like i go silent for very long and then just come out of the gate like blah 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 blah, blah. i'm fairly not as consistent as some the podcast goes up and down but um i am consistent uh as whether there's a book coming out or absolutely nothing going on or whether there are tour dates or whether i'm just at home practicing i do like to engage with 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 you guys with the audience i like to put stuff out there i like to share my thoughts i like to try and um, help other people out with with good information if if ever I can, regardless of what's going on in my life uh, in terms of work. So a lot of people they go silent for a year and then you know suddenly they're like boom hey I'm back and I'm selling 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 and they're just pushing only tour dates all of a sudden like really out of nowhere or you know pushing whatever it is that they're selling. Whatever it is, and that's not just that's not unique to musicians. That's just um, a thing that happens with people, and I think that's bad, bad etiquette for your fans. And so, if you are out there and you are, you know, maybe you don't have any any tour dates now, but um, or, or anything going on right now, but that is exactly the time that you should be talking to people and sharing your process. That's something I've always tried to do. Sometimes I have the time more than others. Um, with the baby and just with life in general and COVID more recently is holy shit. It's been, it's been tough, but still tried to keep as consistent as possible to build that trust, you know, really important to build that trust in the audience as you guys know. And, um, and then you know that when you're coming to my channel, it's going to be of a certain quality. I would like to think anyway, I really try and keep it that way. And I think that's really important. Um, so anyone out there early days, Lower your risk profile, engage your audience, and and uh, and don't try and do it all um, too soon. You know, I think I possibly got lucky. I I did some things early on with touring, mid two thousands, mid to late two thousands that could have been. I mean, some of them went down the toilet pretty fast. But then I was lucky to follow them up with more successful tours right afterwards and make money back, for instance. So financially, they weren't so bad. But just the sheer amount I was trying to do in one go, I've talked about the world tour in 2009 that went Southeast Asia and Europe and um, Australia, just all over the place. Damn, can't get enough liquid today. This throat is sore again. It's unbelievable. Um, Yeah, that tour could have potentially been 50 times worse than it was but luckily i did a lot of work for that one and people in general the, the shows were very well attended so that was cool um so yeah all a question of balance really wanted to talk about that in the last episode <clears throat> lower your, oh damn <clears throat> this may signal the end of this one um yeah lower your risk profile and do as much as you can when you don't have stuff going on i think that's something that people miss 
when you think like, oh man, shit, don't have any gigs, don't have that. Wow, this is the perfect time. Because when you do have gigs, like right now, I've been talking about the tour dates for months because they've been kind of booked for months and I've, I've, it's been more of a slower burn leading up to next week. And I, but I wish I had more time to make like Instagram ads and Facebook ads and run those and do all these things. But of course, when you're in the middle of it all and you're booking and you're working on backline and I had a book just come out and, you know, family and all of that kind of stuff, that's the time when you have the least, uh, the least energy and the least amount of time to work on the fan thing and work on putting out material that people appreciate. Um, so it's those down times, like mid 2000 would have been the perfect time. Not that we knew what was going on, but that kind of downtime, if ever you experience that again, maybe just from being out of work. And I know that sucks, but that's the time where I think you need to work harder than when you have work may sound a little absurd or kind of backwards but I think when you have that time don't waste it I've always tried to do that and will always continue to as well um, a couple of hours sleep less a night sometimes uh, is not the worst thing if you can get if you can get shit done um, but yeah this will probably be last episode before I leave because I'm leaving early Saturday morning getting going over to Europe can't wait. Uh, August 22nd, Pizza Express. Literally, maybe 10 tickets left, I think. Um, Manchester, I don't get their sales report for another couple of days, so I don't actually know. It had not sold well um, as of Sunday. So I'll find out on Sunday what, what our prospects are going to Manchester Tuesday, the 22nd. The 20, uh, no, Tuesday the 23rd, sorry. The 24th, uh, we'll be down in Monaco. Sunning ourselves on the beach for 20 minutes <laughs> before sound check, <laughs> grabbing a sandwich and uh, getting back to work. And then Helsinki, the 25th. I don't need a sales report for that because I'm selling the tickets. Um, Finland, where are you at? I need to move some there. It's only about 25% sold. So we need to make that happen. Going to be posting things and uh, blowing up. Finland's internet over the next six days or how long it is <clears throat> it'll actually be a week from today that we'll be in Finland and then Viliandi the rhythm festival to close out the tour the 26th in Estonia all right that's it my voice is actually just gone <clears throat> can't stop coughing that's it I'll uh I'll see you guys in Europe um really uh really appreciate you sticking around and listening to what I have to say, engaging. Don't forget to go to the Telegram channel if you have questions. Best place to uh, to post them. And uh, see some of you in a few days in the uh, previously mentioned cities. All right, take it easy. <laughs>